The Fend, brought to you by George's Fine Meats in Cherrybrook. Hi all, welcome to a special edition of The Fend. I've given Jimmy Jack a well-earned day off because this episode is all about the Eels as a very special anniversary approaches. This season, of course, marking 40 years since Parramatta celebrated their first premiership, a 20-11 win in the grand final over Newtown at the SCG. And later that night, their home ground, Cumberland Oval, was burned to ashes. All the stories from September 27, 1981 could fill four or five podcasts. So here's just a taste of how the men who made history feel about that unforgettable day. You'll hear from Peter Sterling, Mick Cronin, Ray Price, Brett Kenny, and another eel who enjoyed the ride of his life. 81 is still the greatest moment because it's the first ever club uh, grand final for the club. It came in in 1947, had gone close on a number of occasions. We'll win grand finals again in the future, but nobody will ever win it again for the first time. So that's that. That's at the top of of, of everything. And there's the hooter. And the crowd go wild. Since 1947, never won a first grade premiership. I've got it there today. Before we played Newtown, did you think we're not? There's no way we're losing this game. Oh no! Look, I always think there's a way you can. You know, if you go out thinking you can't get beat, you'll you'll get beat. I know that. And you, if you don't respect the opposition, but the thing about it, we were probably favourites, but they were a good. They were a bit. They were one of those sides that every year I reckon there's a side that comes to light, and they were a side that came to light under a very smart coach. I always remember Jack Gibson saying once about we're playing a game. He said, "I'd be, I'd be, I'd be more frightened if Warren Ryan was coaching this side." You know, so we had plenty of respect for Newtown, plenty of respect, respect for their coach. Eighty-one was the witches dead. You know that. We, we've tried, we, we have tried to win other grand finals and a few things don't go your way. So 81 meant that the witch is dead. We can win any grand final we want to win now. An unbelievable feeling, I guess a little bit surreal. And, and for me in particular, back in 81 when we won the first one, that was the first grand final I'd ever played in. And um, to actually say, well, yeah, I've won a first grade grand final. first one I've ever played in was a first grade grand final. Um, was something very special. Um, you, you look, you, you, you talk about things you might remember. You always remember the 81. You know, 82, 83 were great as well, but 81... That was the one we won. That was our first ever grand final. Um, and it was just a special night. Made a huge relief. And, you know, like Jack even took it as a, a huge relief too. So, yeah, and it was a huge relief because I mean, we, we just seemed to find ways of losing grand finals. So this one, the witch is dead. It'll never, ever come alive. Look, the people of Parramatta, they've been crying out for one. I always remember, I missed the, 
goal in a few minutes, but in 77, I come back to the Leeds Club after the game and a woman said to me, you wouldn't have the hide to come back next year, would you? I said, I haven't thought about it yet. <laughs> but it meant a lot to the Parramatta people, you know, and that was the thing. And that, that night when they were all, you know, you got up in the, um, up here at Parramatta Leeds Club and that, the, the supporters were, yeah, they were, and it's all about, yeah, you appreciate the supporters, you know, there's no supporters, there's no game in some ways, you know. It was, I remember coming back to the Leagues Club and you know, we were in a bus and we got there. We, we got as far as Church Street, couldn't get any further because the crowd, people on the streets and the police had to come in and escort the bus to the front of the club. We had a tabletop Hardy's truck, who were the sponsors then, out the front of the Leagues Club in O'Connell Street. The players had to get off the bus, jump on the back of the truck because there were that many people that they couldn't fit anyone else in the Leagues Club. And they said, these people are here, they want to see you. You can't just go into the club and upstairs. So we got on the on the top, back of the truck and sort of waved and spoke to people. Then they carried us inside to the Leagues Club and, and went upstairs to the restaurant to, with wives and girlfriends and started having dinner. And you could actually see the ceiling bouncing. And um, they word come down and said, we've got to get you blokes up there because they're going ballistic and... I remember being in the lift and as the lift opens up at the um, auditorium, you couldn't move. It was, you, you couldn't step out. There were that many people there and it was just an amazing scene and we end up, we got up on the stage and, and we'd, I think it was Ray Ryan was doing the introductions to the players and, and, and coaches and things like that and I was standing there looking around at the crowd and I noticed a young girl fainted. You see her eyes roll back in her head but she never hit the floor. There were that many people there. She just rested against someone else. And, and I mean, it was, I don't know what time, could have been 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning before the players could actually sit together and just reminisce about what we'd been able to achieve and earlier on in the day. And, and it was a very, very special night. And, and I know it wasn't until we were probably down uh, Brian Hambley's pub on the, on the Monday, Monday morning, because it was a Sunday grand final, I think, and on the Monday morning, before we realised and we, we found out that Cumberland Oval had been burnt down. Well, they had two cracks at it. Yeah, they, I, think they, I think they set it a fire on the Sunday night. I think I, think I was going home on the Tuesday night. I saw it aglow again when I was heading back home. So, yeah, it's... Um, but it meant a lot to the supporters, and it's, it'll, it'll do the same again, but... From a player's point of view, there's no better feeling in the game than winning, winning the grand final. One man who has plenty of fond memories is fullback Steve McKenzie. He only joined the Eels that year from Woi Woi on the New South Wales Central Coast and didn't break into the first grade team until round six. A few months later, he was completing a victory lap of the Sydney cricket ground with teammates who would go on to become some of the biggest names in the game. It was a bit strange. Here I was my first year in Sydney and I'm playing with all these gun players and, you know, we've, we've got a premiership and uh, and I, I really felt for the Bear because the Bear was a, a local junior and, and most of the guys on the side were local juniors. But, um, yeah, it was a sign of relief, I think, and finally, uh, you know, uh, Parramatta, the whole district, the whole community had got themselves a, a, a rugby league premiership. Was there any stage in the game you thought you might not get the result? Oh, well, I, I guess it was... I think back and it was 11-7 uh, 
in their favour with 15 minutes to go. And, uh, you know, they were hanging in there, but, you know, as I said, the brilliance in our side, uh, the Kennys, the Sterlings, the Grace, Ellers, Cran, um, they all came to the fore. And Mick Cranon's goal kicking on the day was exceptional, you know, uh, in that wind. The wind was horrendous. And, um, yeah, he really he really kicked, uh, I think he kicked four goals out of about five attempts. And on the other side of the ledger, uh, Paulie Morris kicked one, I think, out of about four or five. So it was a big difference, Mick Cranon, with his goal kicking on the day, you yeah. Well, after the game, we went into the um, went into the dressing rooms, and uh, they had all these cartons of uh, champagne with the old Premier's eighty one on it, and they all got opened up, and everyone had a bit of a swig of that. And uh, we stayed in we stayed in the change room for some time, but we knew we had to get back towards Parramatta and uh, back to the Leeds Club. So we left there, and um, after celebrations, probably an hour and a bit, we. Jumped on the uh, on the bus where all the wives and uh, girlfriends were waiting, and we headed back towards Parramatta. Mm. And you made but, a stopover. Uh, we did have a detour on the way, and it was at uh, Ronnie Hillage's parents' place, and uh, and I'm pretty sure it was at North Mead. Anyway, uh, the bus driver slowly cruised this bus down this little dark, narrow street, and you know had the old one one lamp up there on the shining over the street and 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 um he parked the bus and we all got off and single file of players and uh we went down through the through the backyard and up to the back door and uh we marched through the front through the back door through the kitchen into the lounge room where all these people were celebrating Parramatta's uh great victory you know they two hours earlier they they were watching the uh the grand final live on TV and then all of a sudden, uh, they've had this tribe of the Parramatta players walk through the lounge room. And to their mate, they were just totally amazed. They didn't know we were coming. And uh, so a few blokes grabbed a beer and we just kept going a single file out the, out the front door and back on the bus and on our way to uh, the Lee Club. It's such a good story. And there's no mobile phones, of course, back then, so no one rang ahead to say no. that we're coming. No, no one knew. No one knew, and uh, it was a great surprise to them, and, and it was a good feeling for them too, because they were there, you know they were just celebrating the day. It was a great day for for Parramatta and the area, and you know it was their first uh, premiership. It took thirty four years, but they finally got one, and they were they were celebrating. Yep, for sure, it was it was a great moment. And a bit later on, when did you first realise that Cumberland Oval was being burned down? Yeah, well, well, the bus headed towards the Lees Club. We got within about, I'd say, 50, 60 metres of the Lees Club, O'Connell Street. And O'Connell Street was just full of uh, people. You know, there were cars parked on the medium strips. There were horns being honked. There was a mass of people, a mass of people everywhere. The bus driver just couldn't go. But uh, eventually got the thing, the bus going, and we inched, inched our way towards the Lees Club. And around the side of the Lees Club, there was a uh, the side door and uh, they had security guards there, and they ushered us into the lift, and we went up to the up to the Wentworth room, and uh, that's where we partied and celebrated. And um, it was sort of some time later they they threw back the drapes, and you could see out at the old Cumberland Oval there, the, there was a bonfire in the middle of the ground, and the grandstand was on fire, and uh, they pulled pickets and the seating of Cumberland Oval, which in those days was just planks of wood uh, that people sat on around the ground. That was all in the middle of the bonfire and I think eventually the fire brigade came.
Yeah, that night was a great night. There were people in stairwells. There were people drinking in lifts. There were, they were all over the place. And uh, we had to get introduced to to the uh, supporters in the in the main auditorium. And we we went out the out the side and ducked back in into, into the auditorium to get up onto the onto the stage. And it was just shoulder to shoulder. There was just. Uh, People, no, there was no seating, it was all standing, and I was shoulder to shoulder. You could actually feel the floor bouncing, you know, it was <laughs> an incredible feeling. And of course, we got up on the stage and everyone was interviewed, and then the final words came from uh, Coach Jack Gibson when he when he said, um, he uttered those magic words, ding dong, the witch is dead, and, and that was it, you know. <laughs> so we went back to the Wentworth River again, a party a bit longer, and, and uh, that was it. It was, it was a great evening, yeah. Yeah, a real experience, a real experience. Uh, a bit surreal, I think, about it at times, but um, it was nice to be part of the first one. I played in 82 and I ended up playing. Uh, I got dropped from the fullback spot, Paulie Taylor went in, and uh, I ended up dropping back to the second grade where I um, played halfback, which I really enjoyed. I, I really enjoyed playing halfback. And um, we made the semi finals, and the, I was on the bench for the first and, uh, when they knocked over, over Manly. In '82, and then um, being getting, uh, you know, the next year '83, getting a little bit older, probably my skills weren't required. To be part of the very first Parramatta Premiership side, what does that mean to you? Well, I guess it it means a hell of a lot, I suppose. I mean, to be part of the first one is something special. As I say, you know, um, they waited 34 years for it and finally finally got one, and uh, Adam, it means a means a hell of a lot, but. Um, Hopefully they can get another one this year. That would be very nice indeed. Thanks, Steve, for your time. It's uh, always good to hear the old stories. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Thanks very much. Yeah.